the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us on AM 1420. The answer on a Tuesday. It is the 31st and final morning of the month of August of the year of our Lord, 2021. It is also the first morning in which the United States of America can no longer claim that they leave no man behind. That has been kind of the mantra of the U.S. military and U.S. commanders for the existence of this republic, quite frankly. No man left behind. And I don't want to hear any talk about sex or gender. When we say man, we mean all Americans to a man. No man left behind has been an extraordinary part of what has made this nation great. And for the first time in our nation's history, we have left hundreds of Americans behind enemy lines, intentionally and knowingly. We're not talking about POWs that we couldn't find. We're not talking about prisoners of war and those missing in action at the end of a war like Vietnam, for example, or Korea, where we just don't know where people are and how to extract them. We're talking about intentionally knowing that there are hundreds, if not still thousands, of Americans left behind enemy lines, the Taliban lines, and abandoned on direct command of the commander-in-chief, Joseph R. Biden. That's the reality of the situation today. We're a different nation today than we were yesterday. And we're going to talk about that in some depth this morning with Peter Kersenow. Peter will be with us at 1010 this morning. He's going to spend the full second hour with us. 
I will open up the phone lines if you've got questions or comments you want to make to add to that discussion with Peter. But that will be coming up in the uh, 10 o'clock hour of the program. Also this morning at 9.35, we're going to talk to Shannon Joy. Shannon Joy is actually a broadcaster, podcaster, and radio host in uh, Rochester, just outside of Rochester, New York. She was one of many who have fought for their principles in front of school boards, fighting for a different kind of freedom than the kind we're looking to, uh, you know, as we look to liberate Americans being held in Taliban, or in Taliban, in Afghanistan by the Taliban. It's not that bad of a Freudian slip, however, because it's pretty much, they pretty much are one and the same. But at any rate, she was arrested uh, uh, because she had her mask down below her nose during a school board meeting that she attended to discuss mask mandates in schools. She was arrested, and her story has gone viral, and she will join us at uh, 935 to talk about that type of freedom. And uh, now before we get into the depth of the issues this morning, let's do what we always do. Let's stand and let's, uh, let's pledge our allegiance to the United States of America. Patriots, if you've got a flag nearby, please face it. If you do not, at least put your hand on your heart. Liberals, Democrats, Biden voters, you may sit this one out as we know you are wont to do. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I want to start with CNN, of all places. That's right, CNN. Once again, I just find this to be you know, important. It shouldn't be, but it is. Um, when you have the far left which has carried the water for the, and I'm talking about the far-left media, which has carried the water for the far-left uh, politicians and elected officials in the Democrat Party and uh, woke corporate uh, executives, social media executives, and so forth. When you have leftist media like CNN speaking truth for the first time in a long time, and this is what they've done in this uh, Afghanistan story, they have remembered what journalistic principles actually are, at least some of them. And when we have them turning on Biden and the rest of the Democrats who are responsible for this disastrous, disastrous foreign policy, this foreign uh, uh, incident in which rather than withdrawing our troops with dignity after uh, withdrawing all of our civilians and our Afghan allies, instead it's a rescue mission and an evacuation because of the ineptitude of the commander-in-chief. It means more. It means more than if I played you something from Fox News or from, you know, from the Daily Wire or from Newsmax or one of these other outlets. This is CNN. And if you wondered about people being, you know, left behind in Afghanistan, I think this will shine a little bit of a light on it for you. Well, how crushing do you think this moment is uh, for the, let's say, 250 Americans and so many others, thousands of Afghans uh, who were still desperate to try to get out? I think it's absolutely crushing. Of course, Wolf. I spoke earlier on in the day with a family of four from Houston, Texas. They told me they had been going to the airport for two weeks, trying desperately to get out. They all have American passports. They had gone to Afghanistan to visit the mother's family, and essentially the issue was they couldn't get past the Taliban. They were in touch with the U.S. military. The military was trying to facilitate their departure. Now, I'm going to 
state the obvious here and just kind of wonder what a family of four was doing in Afghanistan. I mean, as the family, you know, as your family plans your vacations and your trips, I mean, do you really go back and forth between, I don't know, Bahamas, Jamaica, Afghanistan? I, I don't know why people are in Afghanistan, family of four would be in Afghanistan anyway, but they are. So let's leave the reason or the why, uh, the why, you know, push that to the side and the reasons. They don't really matter. The point is they're there. They cannot get out. What were they feeling and what would you have been feeling, you and your family of four, presumably that means with children, as you saw the last C-17 depart and the headlines all over the, t- the television screens, final U.S. departure from Afghanistan. That's it. That's the last one. And you're there. And the Taliban is now in control of the country where you are. The Taliban, which believes in and practices literally to the letter of Sharia law. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? You tried to get to the airport. You couldn't. Why? Because of the Taliban. Now, this is the same Taliban that we are being told is cooperating cooperating and trying to help Americans get uh, evacuated from that country. Secretary of State Tony Blinken said yesterday that he is pledging his support to Afghanistan or to Americans left in Afghanistan after with uh, their, the uh, last withdrawal. However, he's also blaming them for being there in the first place, saying they wanted to be there. Quote, our commitment to them and to all Americans in Afghanistan and everywhere in the world continues. The protection and welfare of America's, Americans abroad remains the State Department's most vital and enduring mission. If an American in Afghanistan tells us they want to stay for now, and then in a week or a month or a year they reach out and say, I've changed my mind, we will help them. Who in their right mind would want to stay in a newly or a nation that is newly run by terrorists who believe in the letter of Sharia law. Don't tell me that there are Americans there that are choosing to be there. But that's exactly the message that they are sending. Yesterday, yesterday, General uh, McKenzie, Kenneth McKenzie, who's in charge of CENTCOM, said yesterday that there are Americans left behind, and... There's really not much more we can do for them right now, except for what? Trust the Taliban. The Taliban we can count on. The Taliban has been very businesslike in their approach to this situation. I will tell you, the Taliban have been very very pragmatic and very businesslike as we have approached this uh, withdrawal. We did not turn it over to the Taliban. Uh, General Donahue, one of the last things he did before leaving was talk to the Taliban commander that he had been coordinating with as soon as about the time we were going to leave, just to let them know that we were leaving. But there was no discussion of turning anything over uh, of that at all. And what about the Americans left behind, General McKenzie? Your message to Americans and Afghan allies who were left behind? So the military phase of this operation has ended. The diplomatic sequel to that will now begin. And I believe our Department of State is going to work very hard to allow any American citizens that are left, and we think the citizens that were not brought out number in the low, very low hundreds. Uh, I believe that we're going to work, we're going to be able to get those people out. I think we're also going to negotiate very hard and very aggressively to get our other Afghan partners out. We're going to negotiate. 
with the Taliban. Negotiate. That's what we're going to do is negotiate. Do you remember a time when the United States of America had a very, very uh, strict policy of not negotiating with terrorists? There are terrorists now that are holding, essentially, hundreds, according to McKenzie and Blinken, if not thousands, because many do not trust that estimate, of American citizens in a foreign country that is now run by terrorists and General McKenzie is acknowledging that our only remaining uh, option here is to negotiate with the Taliban. That's negotiating with the terrorists. Back on August 19th, in an interview with uh, George Stephanopoulos, this was 12 days ago, Joe Biden said this. Americans should understand the troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the troops will stay. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. Did you hear that? Stephanopoulos tried to encourage Joe Biden to, into staying past August 31st if it meant getting Americans out safely. Biden said, we're going to try to do that before the 31st. He said, but if you can't, well, then we're going to try to determine who's left. And, and literally, George Stephanopoulos has to walk him through the interview and the statement. And and it's only because of that that dramatic and from George Stephanopoulos, that Biden finally says, we're going to stay until we get them all out. And? And if if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay until we get them all out. That was August 19th. Today is August 31st. There are still Americans left behind, and we are not getting them out. Joe Biden lied directly on national television to the American people. General General uh, McKenzie, again, uh, uh, commander of CENTCOM, said there's a lot of heartbreak associated with this departure. We did not get everybody out that we wanted to get out. But I think if we would have stayed another 10 days, we would have gotten everybody out that we wanted to go out or to get out. And there still would have been people who would have been disappointed with that. It's a tough situation. Let me say this again. McKenzie declared we did not get everybody out that we wanted to get out, but if we would have stayed another 10 days, we would uh, we would not have gotten everybody out that we wanted to get out, and there still would have been people that would have been disappointed with that. Of course we would have been disappointed with that, because we don't leave a man behind, much less men, women, and children, much less civilians, much less behind enemy lines that are held by a terrorist organization. Yes, we would have been upset by that. Yes, that would not have been good enough. But our feckless leader and our unbelievable, unbelievably incompetent military leadership has forced our hand. And the worst part about all of this, they're bragging about airlifts that got 120,000 people out. 
only 5% of which were Americans. 95% of which are Afghans or third-party nationals in Afghanistan. Refugees. They're bragging about an airlift. Because the evacuation of 120,000 people means the whole mission was successful. You weren't supposed to be evacuating anybody anyway. You were supposed to be withdrawing. And had it been done correctly, responsibly, and orderly with our military forces on the ground last, ensuring that our non-military civilians and contractors and families got out first, we wouldn't have had to do this. They're bragging about 120,000 people being lifted to safety. That would, that would be like Captain E.J. Smith on the deck of the Titanic as it's going down with its 1,500 souls looking out and saying, man, we did a good job of getting the people on those lifeboats. As the ship sank beneath him, killing thousands, looking out and saying, wow, we did a really good job of getting people on those life. It's 9:22. We'll be right back. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Nine twenty six now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Appreciate you uh, being with us this morning. Don't forget, coming up in about uh, ten or so, we're going to be talking to Shannon Joy, a parent and a an activist who was at a school board meeting in Rochester, arrested because her mask was still on her face but not above her nose. They literally called a recess and then called in the police to arrest her and any others who were uh, who were doing that. So we're going to talk about the loss of freedom here in the United States while we discuss obviously the loss of freedoms for those who are now. Still in Afghanistan, Joe Biden is going to be addressing uh, the country today about the end of the war in Afghanistan. I don't even know if I want to hear it. I really don't know if I plan to listen to it. Um, Because there will be no accountability. There will be no accountability whatsoever for this disaster. The the leaving of Americans behind, the death of 13 U.S. service members uh, with the suicide attack at the, uh, at the uh, the airport there in Kabul, um, no accountability will be held, which is probably why 90 retired admirals and generals wrote a letter demanding the resignations of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley to resign over their roles in this chaotic, deadly withdrawal from Afghanistan. They wrote that Biden, Austin, and Milley, quote, should have recommended against this dangerous withdrawal in the strongest possible terms. Uh, Also, quote, if they did not do everything within their authority to stop this hasty withdrawal, they should resign. Conversely, if they did do everything within their ability to persuade the president to not hastily exit the country without ensuring the safety of our citizens and Afghans loyal to America, then they should have resigned in protest as a matter of conscience and public statement. A fundamental principle in the military is holding those in charge responsible and accountable for their actions and inactions. There must be accountability at all levels for this tragic and avoidable debacle. And you know what's funny about that is, 
while you listen to generals and admirals calling for accountability today for this disaster of a withdrawal, this disaster of an evacuation, this avoidable debacle, the man in charge, Joe Biden, once actually believed in accountability. That's the part that's so frustrating. Joe Biden, once when he was Senator Biden, back in 2006 believed in accountability, and demanded it from the Bush administration. He wanted Donald Rumsfeld, Defense Secretary, fired. We have to hold people accountable. You have to hold people accountable for our failures. For the rest of the world looks at us, and when we don't hold our old people accountable, they wonder why they should follow us, our judgment. Everybody says, Biden, why did you call for Rumsfeld's resignation a year and a half ago? Why did you call for it again? It's a simple reason. It's not retribution, folks. I've traveled the world on your behalf. I've been the leader of the Foreign Relations Committee for years. I'm the lead Democrat in foreign policy. I get to meet all these world leaders. They asked me today on television why I think the president should fire Rumsfeld. For the message it would send to the world for right now. Right now. It's nothing personal about Rumsfeld. It truly isn't personal. But imagine what the headline in Le Mans in Paris or in Zeitz in Germany or in Beijing or in Russia would be read by those people if they fired Rumsfeld. It would say the president understands. He understands the course he's been on is mistaken. And maybe now we'll listen to him. So what would those headlines in those foreign cities and countries say today? If Joe Biden fired Lloyd Austin, fired Tony Blinken, fired Mark Milley, and most importantly, resigned himself. Because that would be holding people accountable for failures. The kind of thing that maybe foreign countries would look back at America and say, hey, they get it. They butchered this, and those responsible for the butchery are now gone. We can still trust America. But the Joe Biden of 2006 is very different than the dementia-ridden Joe Biden of 2021. 9.30 now. We'll get some news. We're going to come back and talk about freedom in the United States eroding, particularly as it pertains to COVID policies. Coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. A school board meeting outside of Rochester, New York, was definitely not a safe space for people who believe in freedom. So there are about 20 um, pro-maskers here who are applauding the cops here who are now going to, I suppose, arrest us for... Okay. So, so are you going to are you going to put your hands on me? Okay, so I would like to know what crime I committed. If you're going to put your... This is all on Facebook Live right now. Um, Officer B. Hamley. We have officer... This is the Monroe County Police Department. And this officer, your name, sir? Henderson. Henderson. Um, officer Henderson. So... They are now, they have their hands on me now. They have their hands on me now. Okay. They have their hands on me now. And I guess this is the way it is now. I can't believe this is happening. 
This is the way it is now. Those were the words of Shannon Joy. Shannon was, uh, again, one of the people at the school board meeting outside of Rochester, New York, looking to uh, testify or to give public comment on the uh, idea of mandatory masking of children, which, of course, is completely and wholly anti-science. But she was arrested, and her uh, story went viral, and she joins us now to discuss it right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Shannon, thanks for the time this morning. How are you? Hey, Bob, thank you so much for having me on your show today. I appreciate this opportunity to talk to you and, and your audience about what happened. It well, I'm pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I'm interested in how your audience is reacting. You are a radio host and a podcast host there in Rochester, and uh, you decided to live stream the entire event there. Did you go there, Shannon, um, with the intention of getting arrested to make a point and shine a spotlight on what's going on there? Or why were you face, why were you live streaming through FaceTime or not FaceTime, excuse me, through Facebook of uh, that event? Yeah. Well, Bob, uh, I've been accused of that actually. It's hilarious. Um, I would have done hair and makeup if I had gone to that <laughs> meeting intending to be arrested on Facebook live. I would have I would have looked a little better. Um, no, the you know I had thrown dinner on the table for the kids. This was my school district. My son attends the Fairport School District, mm-hmm. and I went to that meeting that night really just to sit quietly in the back. I wasn't even one of the parents that was slated to speak, but I was just going to document everything. That's what we have begun to do. Uh, we need to do because these school boards want to implement the forced masking, the abusive masking that is not. Um, rooted in any type of data or science, and they don't want any pushback. They don't want organic discourse. They don't want organic meetings. They want to shut down the voices of parents. And so it's interesting. I wasn't intending to be arrested on that day, but they were intending to arrest me. We have an enormous amount of footage that now has emerged. Um, You know, everybody, the second I walked into that meeting, and just so your audience knows, yes, I'm, I'm a radio host, And over the past 18 months, I've also morphed into what I call an accidental activist, which we all kind of have to be right now because of just the psychotic policies and the attacks on freedom and liberty that just seem to come one after another, uh, justified by this COVID crisis. And um, so I've been a fixture at that meeting. Uh, We make things difficult for the board. We want our superintendent and our board to justify to parents why they are covering little children's noses and mouths, even when there's no emergency order in New York State, there's no mandate, no dictate, no law, no statute, no rule. All of those school board members go out in their regular lives. They have no masks on. They're going to parties. We had documentation. Yet they're coming into school and they're forcing masks on our kids. And they didn't want to have that conversation. So they used me in that moment. And uh, I believe that they planned to have me arrested, to be an example to other parents, to scare them into shutting up. And it ended up backfiring on them. Um, They are, I mean, the community as a whole is outraged by what they did. The sheriff's department is in. Go ahead. Yep. Shannon, you said um, you've been a fixture at these meetings. Have you been a a speaker in the past? Have Have you offered public commentary or have you always just documented? I've offered public commentary in the past. We're always pretty respectful. Some of the, the meetings get a little raucous. There is, you know, some yelling back and forth. But, you know, unfortunately, that's what happens when school boards and superintendents refuse to allow organic discourse. They manipulate these meetings, and they do everything possible to suppress the voices of the parents, and they won't listen to parents. You can turn out 
200 people at a meeting and they still won't change their policy. And so it's No, I, I get that. Time. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of those viral videos coming from school board meetings that do get contentious. But the only reason I asked if you had spoken before is you said that you believe that they showed up there that day expecting you and planning to have you arrested. Um, were, are, yeah. there, are there normally sheriff's deputies on site when these meetings happen or were they only there this day? So this meeting was very different. The second I walked into the meeting, uh, the BLM organization, Black and the Burb, had bussed in probably 25 people from all over the county. They all had red shirts on sitting in the middle of the room, and that was something very unusual. We usually bring about 40, 50, 60 um, pro-freedom, pro-liberty parents to these meetings who all live in the district. And so that was strange. The moment I sat down, Bob, there were at least, three or four cell phone cameras in my face. I mean, they were documenting me, me specifically from the second I walked in. I also had three security guards behind me the entire time. The issue at hand was the fact that my mask was at the tip of my nose and not at the bridge of my nose. And the school board couldn't handle that. They went ballistic. They suspended the meeting because Shannon Joy will not put her mask over the bridge of her nose. At one point, the superintendent yelled at me from across the room, uh, Shannon, get that mask up over your nose. And I'm just kind of sitting there quietly. I didn't say a word. My mask was on my face the entire time. They suspended the meeting and then called the uh, Monroe County Sheriff's Department. They sent four cars, six deputies, and uh, arrested me specifically. There were multiple people at that meeting who had their masks under their noses and under their chins. None of those individuals were arrested. It was it was only me. They they wanted to get a par- a video of a crazy parent getting arrested. They thought they would control the narrative. What they didn't expect was for me to Facebook live my arrest. And that's when the narrative shifted and they ended up ended up getting egg on their face. So it, it, at the end of the day I'm almost glad it happened, even though it was uncomfortable. I don't like being arrested. Um I mean, I don't even have a parking ticket. <laughs> why do you I'm suppose? Why Why do you suppose they didn't take anyone else out? You said there were normally forty, fifty, sixty of you guys who are, you know, kind of freedom defenders who go to these meetings, and uh, several of them, uh, others, uh, did not have their masks all the way up as well. Shannon, why did they only choose you and and not take you out? You know, uh, you know, break out the zip ties and take out a dozen or more. Well, I think Bob, because I have become. I mean, I I have been organizing and activating. I'm an activist at this point. Yes, I have a daily radio show on the iHeart um, News Talk station out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am. I have become a polarizing figure. I'm, I'm well-known, and I have a platform, and I give these parents a platform. And I give these individuals, I go to these meetings, and I document them, and I help them organize. We support each other and encourage each other, and um, it really is becoming, we're becoming a thorn in the side of the school board, and so I think it was because of, of my platform. Is your, is your platform that you're an activist of, uh, we're talking to Shannon Joy, if you just turned on the radio, her arrest at a, uh, a Roch, uh, outside of Rochester, New York, uh, school board meeting has gone viral. Um, and by the way, so has your picture. I, I saw a follow-up, a tweet of yours, um, of you standing outside. It looks like your hands are behind your back, so I'm presuming you're cuffed. And you got a police officer there who is completely barefaced. And another one who has a mask on down below her chin, not below the tip of her nose, the way you were, uh, you know, you were criticized for, but uh, but down below. Uh, um, what's the story behind that? 
Well, again, it just points to the hypocrisy of, and the absurdity of these rules. Uh, the superintendent of schools, the individual who called the police and asked specifically for my arrest, was out this past weekend at a big music fest. No mask, tens of thousands of people packed in like sardines in Fairport, inside buildings, outside buildings. He's not wearing a mask, right? But they walk into the school, and they are just dead set on keeping our children masked up. Uh, there's so li- you know, there's there's such a non-crisis here in Rochester, New York, that the police aren't wearing their masks. No one's wearing their masks, and so it points to the absurdity of the situation. And you know, we have footage now of my conduct and behavior. Um, you know, there was an individual in the audience who videotaped me specifically from the beginning of the meeting up until my arrest, until after my arrest. And it shows very clearly that I, clearly I was sitting very quietly, mask on the entire time, not even a peep, not even a peep. So this was, you know, my attorneys, we're going to be suing the school district, we're going to be suing the sheriff's department. I back the blue. I love our men and women in blue, but I will only back the blue if they are backing the Constitution. And in this case, they overstepped. And they're doing the dirty work for these school board members who can't control their own meetings, who can't control their own rules because the rules are stupid and hypocritical. And so, you know, I think that we're going to be able to show that this was, this was um, coordinated, that they did this. They, they began this meeting with the intention of making an example out of a parent so that other parents wouldn't stand up. And thank God it backfired on them. Shannon, I want to ask you uh, uh, for your reaction to what you probably saw since you do radio. You research this stuff, too. Um, the Secretary of Education, since you were talking about a school board meeting and school board policies with masking kids, which I agree is child abuse, um, the Secretary of Education under Barack Obama, Arne Duncan, uh, three, yeah. di- three days ago tweeted, and I quote, Have you noticed how strikingly similar both the mindsets and actions between the suicide bombers at Kabul's airport and the anti-mask and anti-vax people here? They both blow themselves up, inflict harm on those around them, and are convinced they are fighting for freedom. What's your reaction when you see that, Shannon? You know, this is the beginning of, I, I think, the process of um, isolating, segregating, demonizing, and dehumanizing individuals based on their their moral and political beliefs. And it is uh, very dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous. And it's divisive. But that's what they want. Uh, you know, I've always said all roads lead to forced and coerced vaccination. And if you kind of peel away all of the layers, the reason they want these masks on the kids is is because it's a carrot. And they need to give them some type of of perceived benefit once they approve the vaccines for children under the age 16. So a lot of it is moneyed interest, big tech, big data, big pharma. Um, And they all toe the same line. They all read the same copy points, but I mean, that type of rhetoric is truly um, dehumanizing. And that's what they seek to do is to isolate voices like ours, people who are standing up for basic, basic freedom, the, the right to breathe, right? The right to decide for yourself if you want to undergo a medical intervention. Right. Right. I mean, this is so basic. 
and they are trying to take those individual individuals and place them in the same category as a terrorist. You know, they're using that rhetoric. I, Bob, I don't think it's working. I don't. I, I think that they are overstepping, and that we just need to continue to hold by. It's very scary. People do not like being called terrorists, right? And and they do that to to again intimidate parents, individuals who want to stand up and step out. And I, I just hope that people will see through that and and continue to know that their battle is righteous. We are standing up for what's right. It doesn't matter what they say and what they call us. We will be on the right side of history. Shannon, and, uh, and I know that from the bottom of my heart. But, Shannon, if I may, uh, your charge was criminal trespass. Where does that stand? Did they drop those, or do you have to pay a fine, or what's uh, what's happening? Are you challenging it? So, yes. I, my court date is on September 14th. We're going to pr- try to bring a nice crowd uh, to the court, um, nice, peaceful, and respectful. But, yeah, I've been charged with criminal trespass. There's no way that these charges will hold up. And I'm working with amazing attorneys, Hogan Willig, Corey Hogan out of Buffalo, New York, who are going to be representing me. We're going to fight this tooth and nail. and We're going to get those charges thrown out. I hope you do for obvious reasons. Uh, Last thing, you said you've kind of just become an activist now, an accidental activist. Are you active over anything besides the mask mandates and vaccine mandates? Uh, anything else going on with respect to the schools? Are there issues regarding uh, critical race theory, Marxist theory, gender uh, theory, and all of those things going on as well? Yeah, well, absolutely. I, I became, I, I was at a 10 on March 15th. <laughs> so we were out protesting lockdowns isolation, segregation, forced masking, you know, all of these mandates, the closures of schools and businesses. So we've been fighting for um, healthcare workers here in Rochester, New York, for their right to decide for themselves. Um, Many thousands of them are being faced with losing their jobs in in the next couple weeks if they don't undergo um, this experimental um, vaccination program. But in the schools, yes, the front lines are our schools. And as Republicans, you know, we've kind of abandoned that fight in public schools past 30 years. A lot of us have our kids in private schools. Two of my kids are in private school. Um, a lot of us are homeschooling, and we kind of just let them them go. That institution has been completely corrupted. They are building their armies in public schools, which is why we have got to be engaged. So... Really, anything, I mean, in terms of our activism, you know, I have watched groups pop up all over Rochester, different groups with the same liberty message, um, but I'm, no more, I'm, I'm most passionate about what's happening in our schools. And so you see a lot of activity in the Rochester area, Penfield schools, Webster schools, Fairport schools, Pittsburgh, because we've um, begun to form parent unions. Uh, how, how old are, how, if you don't mind my asking, uh, Shannon Joy, how old are your children? My oldest son is 15. My daughter, Mimi, is 13, and my youngest is 9. So you've got, and, you've got the gamut. You've got high school, middle school, and elementary school issues there. Yes, and, and indoctrination yes, and everything else at every level. So I can understand why you're as passionate and as uh, devoted to, uh, to fighting uh, for their, their freedom of liberty, freedom to breathe, as you say, uh, and their uh, mm-hmm. freedom to make their own decisions. And for, not for them to make their own decisions, but you, Mom, 
And me, Dad, we right. can, we should make the health decisions for our kids, not some bureaucrat, and certainly not some uh, some teachers' union, which uh, which is perhaps another story for another day. Uh, Shannon Joy, uh, I wish you the very best in your court date. I hope you bring enough people there to really uh, influence and. Uh, I don't want to say influence the judge. Hopefully he makes a reasonable and rational decision. The fact that you were arrested for no good reason whatsoever and drops those charges. But I really, really hope that you continue on and make noise and do what needs to be done because uh, we need battlers. We need fighters uh, from one end of this country to to the other. And uh, and I really appreciate what you're doing up there. Oh, Bob, thank you so much. It's It's my pleasure. I feel honored to be able to do this at this moment in time in our country. Thank you. And so thank you for all you do as well. God bless, Shannon. That's Shannon Joy. She's, again, a host up in Rochester, New York, and uh, obviously a very frustrated and angry activist parent. We need more of those. We need more of those. We'll be right back. The free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 956 will continue on AM 1420. The answer, don't forget Peter Kirsten now coming up with thoughts on all things Afghanistan leaving men behind the butchery of the Biden administration of this uh, of this withdrawal from Afghanistan. All of that coming up after the top of the hour. We'll go to the phones now and uh, see if what uh, Charlie has to say. Charlie in Westlake, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead, sir. Hey, Bob, thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. You know, I've been so, been so down about this Biden and Afghanistan and stuff, and there's this glimmer of hope, though, in two weeks. Larry Elder is running for governor. If, if this happens, this is such a hopeful thing because not just California, but he would he would be able to actually affect the U.S. Senate if if uh, uh, Feinstein retires. Also, if he actually wins, I'm telling you, he would be the he would be Trump's running mate. That's how big of a deal this is in two weeks. And if, if you have any money, I send him fifty bucks. I don't send a lot of money, but I send him fifty bucks. Send ten, twenty. This guy it has a chance to become the governor and change a lot. You know, uh, what you mentioned about, you know, Senate appointments uh, and, and so forth, uh, that's that's a big, big deal here. You know, the, the Democrats uh, are saying, as a matter of fact, Charlie, uh, as one of their arguments to keep Gavin Newsom in power, they're saying, can you imagine who Larry Elder would have chosen to, uh, to replace Kamala Harris? When Kamala Harris, of course, senator from California, uh, became the vice presidential uh, running mate and vice president <clears throat> for uh, for Joe Biden, you know this is why it's so important. And and they're right, they're right. Democrats, for once, are right. It is extraordinarily important to make sure that you have control of that governor's office for reasons just like that. So yeah, the governor of the biggest state in the country, or one of the two biggest states in the country. Uh, certainly uh, wields a great influence on the rest of the country and can do so by appointments. And and also, you know, quite frankly, what's going on in California right now, the butchery of, of the government, government of the state of California under Gavin Newsom, uh, you know, is also affecting states like Texas. It's affecting states up in the Pacific Northwest like Montana and Idaho and Wyoming. A lot of states are seeing a massive influx of Californians because they're fleeing 
California taxes. They're fleeing California power outages. They're fleeing California wildfires. They're fleeing California Democrat rule. And the crap of it all is they're bringing their Democrat votes with them, and they're going to turn those other states that are generally more, generally speaking, more red states into blue or purple ones. That's what they're doing. That's the, that's the biggest nightmare of it all. They're fleeing Democrat policies, which is making their lives miserable in, uh, in California. And they're bringing the same votes that put those Democrats in charge with them to vote in, in other states. Yeah, California needs to be fixed. If California can be even fixed, you know, with a modicum of, of success. And I'm talking about by a true conservative leader, not Arnold Schwarzenegger, the last Republican they had as a governor, the governator, because he wasn't a conservative at all. We know that. You heard what he said during this uh, a couple of weeks ago. He said, screw your freedoms. But Larry Elder would be a huge, huge fix to one of the biggest and most important states in the country. And that could have a huge impact on the country. Charlie, great call. Thank you, my friend. Curse now after the news. AM 1420, The Answer. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.